Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. When Jesus was explaining to his disciples how they would be able to produce God's fruit, he uses the analogy of a vineyard. Has anybody been to a place where you have watched post-harvest trim back of a vineyard? If you haven't, if you've never seen the trimming back of the vineyard, unless you are the keeper of a vineyard, you would think they were absolutely ruining that vineyard. Some of you in here have a, you have a green thumb. You're gifted. Others, <laughs> you can't even keep the fake ones alive. <laughs> how, do you kill a, how do you kill a fake plant? But he gives us this analogy in, in John chapter 15. Let's focus here on verse 5. I'm the vine. Ye are the branches, Jesus speaking here. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, I know that seems elementary because maybe you've heard it many times, but think of the complexity hidden within those few words. Without me, ye The plural, ye, not ye singular, ye plural, ye, the church, can do nothing. If Jesus Christ is the vine of our lives, then the fruit being produced should be appropriate and pleasing toward Him and for the kingdom of God. How many know and recognize That if he is divine, that what we produce in our life will bear witness to him. But yet we know as well that we have the ability in and of ourselves, our flesh when it intervenes, to produce things that are not of God. You're not alone in that. Be glad that you're not alone in that. But it is our goal to keep our flesh submitted to the Spirit. Read this little clip here. I drew this from this book by Trask. And I will, I will mention this a few times with a few points. Pastor and author Stuart Briscoe tells the story of a friend who had often used an old fruit tree to escape from his second story bedroom window especially when his father was about to punish him. (laughs) One day the father announced that he was going to cut down that old tree because it had not borne any fruit in many years. That night, the boy and his friends, they came up with a plan. They purchased a bushel of apples, and in the cover of darkness, they tied fruit to the unproductive branches. The next morning, the father shouted to his wife, Mary, I can't believe my eyes. The old fruit tree that was barren for years is covered with apples. It's a miracle. It was a pear tree. 
<laughs> you will be known by the fruit you bear. And unfortunately, it is true. And we have all seen when someone we know is not spiritual tries to pretend to be spiritual. Your fruit will tell on you. Well, that sounds like that'd be a good old song. Your fruit will tell on you. Let's go into our first primary point here tonight. The comparison, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh, the plurality here, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Ooh, that's a long... Oh, it keeps going. Envings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, finally, and such like. <laughs> of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you. He said, I, I told you about this before. Previously, we discussed it, but let's get it forever pinned here, okay? That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I recognize this is a strong stance, but ladies and gentlemen, we didn't come up with this. We must not feel bad you know, and this, this is a pulse that at times goes through the, through the, through the church. Well, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, don't, don't come up with things on your own, but stand on the Word of God. These are works of the flesh. Not produced. Notice this. Revealed in Scripture, but not produced by Scripture. Revealed by the Spirit, but not produced by the Spirit. It's critical to understand the difference there. Through the Word, there is the, there is the revelation of these works of the flesh. It identifies them. But the Spirit did not produce these things. What a long and a lofty list. But I think most of us could agree. If we were left to our own devices, some of you would be embarrassed for people around you to know how many things on that list would fit the old you. Just look down. No one will think. Just look, just look at your paper. Just do one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're feeling really guilty, give him, just give him a little blessing, Lord. Bless him. One of those deep, amen. The works of the flesh... Some of you in here, you remember stealing a pack of gum when you were a kid. Nobody taught you how to do that. You just knew you wanted it. Last time you threw a fit and you didn't get anything but a spanking. 
So you just slipped it in your pocket. It is your flesh. But there is a, there is a combat to this. There is a work of the Spirit. And I will tell you there is fruit that we are meant to bear. So let's look at our contrast here. But, these are the works of the flesh. But, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and, watch this, lusts. If we live in the Spirit, this is powerful, so then let us walk in the Spirit. Now, if we just visit the Spirit on Sunday, then we don't need to walk, or we, rather we cannot walk. If we, put on, if we put on Christ like we put on our Sunday clothes, if we put on the Spirit like a temporary garment, come on, you know that, that one coat that you only wear for special occasions? It's a little fancy. That one pair of shoes that you can't wear all the time? Come on, some of you ladies got maybe one of those pair of shoes with the red bottoms? I thought I'd get a little laugh. I thought I can't wear these everywhere, but just every now and then. And if you got them, I'm delighted you've got them. But if we treat God like a commodity, then we, can, we cannot live and we certainly cannot walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of, watch this, vainglory. Provoking one another. Envying one another. Here's probably one of the most extreme things about the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit while coveting the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? I cannot look at what you bear and be jealous of it. Now, I might look at your giftings and weigh myself against you, which is another whole part of this envying. But when it comes to the fruit singularity, the fruit of the Spirit, these are attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Because when you get the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you do not get, as I have stated before, an it, you get a who. You get Him inside of you. And the attributes that are meant to be produced is likened unto love, joy, peace, etc. How many believe that we need the fruit of the Spirit on display at Calvary Tabernacle? We need it in our new members class. We need it in our children's ministry. We need it right here in the sanctuary. Can I tell you something? It is not the will of God, whether it is a seasoned saint or a first-time guest, for any person to walk into a house 
with this many believers and feel like they don't fit. It's not the will of God. Yeah, well, you know, it's maybe it's just foreign to them. Yeah, the works of the flesh might be combating them, but the fruit of the Spirit is able to work and process past. I've said for years, this is how I, I kind of view and believe in the fruit of the Spirit so that the individual who does not feel love, joy, peace, gentleness, when they walk in this place, it ought to be like tiptoeing through the vineyard. Brother Mathis, they show up here at Calvary Tabernacle. They haven't been raised with gentleness. They haven't been around gentleness. They've never seen meekness. They don't even understand what that means. But all of a sudden, they walk in this place. They feel, watch this, they feel the presence of God, but they haven't been filled yet with the presence of God. Isn't it an amazing thing that while they have not yet been filled with the presence of God, F-I-L-L-E-D, they can feel, F-E-E-L, the presence of God. And as a part of what they feel, they're able to walk up to what is being produced in your life. We need that. And I really feel to launch into this tonight on love. We need the love of God on display. We do. We need the love of God in every facet and in every area. Love is more than words. It is. Love is more than words. L is for the... No. <laughs> it's more than songs and lyrics. Some of you know lyrics to songs you could absolutely never live out. Right? I would climb a mountain. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It's crazy because I, there are people that will sing songs about climbing a mountain and won't even talk to her in the next room. It's false. To which I ask this challenging question. I'll ask it to me and I'll let you listen in. Can I really tell him that I love him if that love is not displayed unto the least of these? And I'm not even speaking expressly about the least of these exterior of the building. I am challenging us as it pertains to in the vineyard, in the house, in Calvary Tabernacle. Somewhere within our allotted amount of square footage is every square foot a part of the vineyard where the fruit of the Spirit is on display. I know it's meant to be in the altar, but shouldn't it be in the office suite also? Shouldn't love be on display in, in our CFO's office when we're writing and giving to missions? Shouldn't love be on display when we are, when we are working down into our, uh, our back into our nursery program and maybe some young mother who even though she's been raised in the church, she is at wit's end and she put on her best outfit to come to church and nobody knows it, but truthfully, she is on the right, I mean, she's right at the edge of an absolute breakdown. 
Hmm. The love of God must be on display. It is an attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's turn that page over and look here. Four Greek words for love. There is that sexual or sensual love. That family or natural love. The friendship love. And certainly we understand agape or God's love. Agape is that highest and noblest form of love which sees something infinitely precious in its object. One of the great plans of hell since before the serpent was slithering was to distort the view of the love of God. What was the first distortion of Satan? It was to pervert the love of God by labeling it as restrictive. Think about that. The love of God was on display to Adam and Eve by enforcing boundaries. And Satan's way of perverting love was to call into question the boundary of love. Hmm. Consider that. We have to have regulations, restrictions. We need fences. We, we do ourselves a disjustice, an injustice, if the only time we talk about boundaries are in regards to our lifestyle disciplines. What we wear, where we go. We must consider it through the context of love. How I safeguard my marriage. How I safeguard my friendships. Come on. We must discipline ourselves to continually practice love even when we do not feel <laughs> I don't want any show of hands. <laughs> but some of you have had times when you do not feel like being lovely. Some of you that has been today. Maybe work was a mess. Maybe he was a mess. But even when you don't feel like it, you You've heard this, you've heard this uh, before. Let me, let me ask this, though, as a, as a general appeal to the crowd. Have you ever had a service, and you knew that it was wrong, you knew it was wrong, but have you ever had a service where you genuinely thought, I just don't want to go? Some of you are like, can I laugh? He's looking right, like, he's looking right at me. <laughs> it's Okay. Anybody, raise your hand if you've ever had a service where you're like, I just, could we get a snow day? And your spouse is like, it's July. Probably not. We're not, it's not going <clears> to. <throat> but then you, and you like amp yourself up. We've all been on the receiving end of where we made an excuse valid to not go to church. And then the guilt was so bad the whole time we couldn't even enjoy it. Yeah, you hear that laughter? 
That's called experience. <laughs> but we've all been there in that place where we didn't feel like going. And the, and the excuses were valid. There's not one person in this church that has ever came and told me about a vacation you were going on that I was begrudging about or that I said I wish you wouldn't. I try to celebrate that with you. Now, if you're going on a vacation every week, at some point, you know, we're going to have to evaluate. But we've all been at that place where we didn't want to come or something happened and we were like, I don't want to go to church. But we, 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 we had the excuses that were there, but we just kind of went ahead and we, 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 we got dressed and we came to the house of God and we start to find out that it was a work of the flesh because they'd, they'd sing a song. For some of you, it was tonight. It was one of those old songs. He brought me out of the mind. Because when you begin to sing that, Brother Williams, I, I took a flashback to being just a kid and remembering the faithfulness and the consistency of God. Knowing what I was going to teach on tonight, you were singing that. And I found myself tying a line from then to now and recognizing the faithfulness and the love of God. In all of my inconsistencies, His love that has been so consistent. And it brings me to a place where I am reminded that if I will just get into His presence, I can be reminded to cultivate. To cultivate. Now, I have to allow Him to prune some things back in my life to take some things out. And I've got to learn how to practice giving love even when I don't feel like doing so. Aren't you glad He loves us even when we don't really act worth loving? <laughs> Task, Trask made a, uh, a statement in, in, in his book on the fruit of the Spirit about three common misunderstandings about love. That love develops automatically in an unpremeditated way. Number two, that many people believe that just because they understand the definition of love, they will naturally love. And number three, few understand their potential to harm others with words and actions. These are three common misunderstandings. We'll investigate this just a little bit as we begin to put the wheels down on this flight. According to 1 John, God is love. I cannot love God and not expect to bear love. I can't. I can't, I can't do that. If I love God, I will display love. Now, let me let some of you off the hook. That will not change your personality. For some of you, that's great. For some of you, that's a nightmare. Now, he might, he might soften up some rough edges, but God is not trying to get you to be someone else. He wants you to be the best version of you. If you're a little rough around the edges, he wants you to be that little rough around the edges, but show love. Because probably if you're a little rough around the edges, your friendships and relationships are associations that are different than the temperament of someone else. 
and putting the love of God on display. We all have those friends that just speak too quick and think too slow. Right? If love is ruling your life and your process, the love of God, and not the works of the flesh, then the likelihood is greater that even though you speak too quickly, you will speak from a platform of love rather than frustration. But that's the difference between walking and living in the Spirit. As believers, we should not be surprised that the initial attribute of the fruit of the Spirit is in fact love. Christ-like love is that full, that agape love. It is self sacrificing. It is not what's best for my kingdom, but what is best for the kingdom. Looking back at the top, the, the, uh, the four types, the Greek words for love, I will say that it is critical that we have a biblical understanding of all areas of love as it pertains to we as believers. The world has so perverted this sexual or sensual Love. As the church, we do not... I'm trying to, trying to take a good look at my crowd. All my kids should be in classes for the most part. I think we're pretty clear. I'll, I'll still stay surface on this, but hear me. Between a husband and a wife, this type of love is meant to be beautiful and designed to be lovely and respectful and honorable. But we cannot allow the works of the flesh to redefine our interpretation of love. Amen? How about the family or that natural love that happens between a family or the birth of a child? Oh, the Normans just had a baby, sent me a picture this morning. I'm to that stage in life having four of my own. I'm so delighted when someone else <laughs> has a child. Even though all the Facebook posts after what I said a few weeks ago, my first daughter, yeah, you know who you are. Texts and calls, push the red button, decline. <laughs> they sent me that. It's instantaneous. I've talked to so many fathers who when their, their second child was about to be born, they've told me, Brother Faulkner, they have said, they've said, I was nervous because I loved my first child so much. I, I was genuinely nervous. I didn't think it would be possible. Have you ever tried to contemplate how is it possible that God could love us all? Isn't it staggering, really? It is. It's staggering. Brother Brad, to think that, that in spite of the multitudes, the scores of people, not just in an area, Imagine a, 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 a foyer packed with people, much less than consider a city that is robust. He knows every 
person and loves them, loves them as his own. And then when they come into the fold, they become joint heirs. I cannot imagine how the heart of a father breaks to recognize the untapped potential in millions. For those of you that carry the weightiness of a child that is not currently living for God and they have not yet returned, try to take that and place it through the infinite agape love of God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, and that friendship love to love one another. That love is on display through loyalty. Often, please hear me, often that love is on display by trusting each other enough to tell the truth. Scripture never presumes that we know how to love. Rather, over and over again, it instructs us to love and explains why we are to love. John was concerned that Christians love one another and that we love those who do not, who do not yet know Christ. It's imperative. Go to, go to 1 John. I'll just move through these quickly, but 1 John 3 some texts for consideration, maybe for your notation and later return in 3, 10 and 11. In this, in this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death Unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Think about that. Well, I was filled with the Spirit. I've been resurrected in that likeness of Christ. Well, do you love your brother? Because if not, you're living in death. Verse, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He said, you've got to not only say it, you've got to show it. You've got to put it on display. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Jump over to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Love is of God. Verse 12, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So we say it often here. We say it weekly. We say it intentionally. This is home. That means this must be a place of receiving and exemplifying the love of God. 
What was Paul's address to the church of Corinth as he gives this exceptional example of love? You'll see it here on your paper. It's in the NKJV. The KJV speaks of it, charity. This translation calling it love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Does not parade itself. You know why? Because it doesn't have to. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. That means it's not celebrating when it finds out things that are wrong. It should turn your stomach when you find out something wrong about people, not bring you a level of joy so that you can point it out. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures. Because real love, godly love, is enduring. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Love, love never fails fails well I don't I don't really know what they've done love I you don't you I don't know where they've been love I'm not sure how I'm gonna move full love 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 stand with me Here's what has to happen, Calvary Tabernacle. We, you're Wednesday night. You're here for Bible study, and I'm, I'm thankful for this great crowd. I'm thankful that you're here. I love being able to be a part of this and, and teach these Bible studies on Wednesday night. We, core members of the church, we must share love one with another. Our love is shown by the way that we talk Interact, pray, pray for one another. You know how someone knows that you love them? When, when the Spirit trusts you to lead you to them. Even if you sit in a, in a different zip code. Did you say, the Lord brought you to my mind. And you reach out to them and you show love. But then secondly, love that is on display for brand new people that you've never seen, you've never known, that are drawn into Calvary. How do you treat people? Let me ask you this way. How do you treat people when they show up to your house? Come on. You know you've got, it it don't matter, it hadn't been cleaned two weeks the day they come in, you've got everything cleaned and you say, sorry, it's not picked up all the way. And we've been so busy. Right? They walk in. Your kids are looking at you like, what are you talking about? Because you invited them. And here's my question as we conclude and go to prayer. When visitors show up, if I'm full of His Spirit, 
And this is, this is not just the church I go to, but this is my church. This is not just the church you attend, but this is your church. This is home. Then you feel like they showed up more than by accident or coincidence, but because an invitation of heaven drew them into this place, then what should we have on display and how should we treat those that show up? Now listen, if it's a distraction, then we have to be mindful. If things go wrong, then we have to be guarded. But for the most part, we need to remember we are all individuals that have sordid pasts. But the grace of God has kept us, drawn us, and His love has solidified our place in His kingdom. Would you lift your hands with me right now? Lord Jesus, we love You. We love You. We thank You for our time together. We thank You for our time and Your Word. I thank You for this great body, this great congregation. I thank You for Paul's teaching, his writing, what You so charged him to share with the church that is a blessing. It's a continued blessing for us. We bless You. Come on, somebody now, just begin to tell Him that You love Him. God, I love You, and I want to I have the love that aspect, that attribute, the fruit of the Spirit, that love portion, I want that to be on display in my life. Not just the way that I talk to you, but the way I talk to my family, the way I talk to my church family, the way I talk to my coworkers, the way I talk to people that I meet along the way, the way that people perceive me. Help us, Jesus, I pray it. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. So now let me challenge you in a practical way before we leave here tonight because we are rejoicing about the opening of restaurants. We have entire states that are dropping mask mandates. Praise God. I feel bad. Praise God. We're moving, we're moving forward and we're thankful for that. But can I give you a practical way? I'll get up here since we're standing. Please look at me. You should not be the couple or the family or the individual that the waitress wants to avoid. Yeah. I know that's very rubber meets the road, very practical. But that waitress, that waitress staff, that t- when, they see, when they see a member of Calvary Tabernacle walk in, when they see a love-filled apostolic walk-in. They ought to fight over whose section that they sit in. They ought to be excited. Amen. I don't know them. They won't bring my refill. They're not your servant. But they are a soul that God might have intentionally put you in contact with. To share love and to show love.